Hey there, it's the brand therapist, Michelle B. Griffin, and welcome to your weekly personal brand therapy session. As a certified personal brand and PR strategist, speaker, and author, I'm here to empower you to put yourself out there so you can find clarity, build visibility, and grow your industry authority. I'm super excited you're here. Now let's get going with today's session. Welcome everybody to this week's Ask the Brand Therapist personal branding talk show. I am thrilled to have here someone who I've admired for a couple years now when I first met her. She is Kate Fullman, the CEO of Floyd Coaching and the author of Do What You Love. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Let's talk about, we met a couple years ago on Member Clubhouse, right? I think yeah. personal brand mastery show and you were in it and we just bonded back then. And then you sent me a book and lo and behold, you have a book. Why did I have you on the show? Because there's so many of us who stay stuck on the sidelines, silent, playing small, all the things I talk about. So let's unpack the book and really get into the question of, yes, you can do what you love, pursue those creative endeavors and not even have to leave your job. So where do we start, Kate? Because the book is an amazing read and I, I just can't shout it out enough. Michelle, thank you so much for supporting the book and sharing the book. I know you've given some some copies out to some people that that really means the world to me. I feel like you write a book and then you put it out into the world and you're like, here are my ideas. I hope you like those. So it's an interesting experience. But the whole concept of the book really was that I feel very blessed because in my career, no matter where I was, whether I've worked for someone else or I've been on my own because I've done both of those things, I have always had creative pursuits, just little side projects. I was very interested in, this is pre-social media when it just started coming about, I got interested in video and I had my little pink flip cam when I worked at the Chamber of Commerce and I was exploring podcasting. There was always little side projects that I had that I got really excited about. And even though it wasn't my job, it brought me so much joy. And I gained so many new skills and I developed friendships and relationships with people that I wouldn't have otherwise had I not explored those creative passions. And so I wrote this book because I recognized that there were so many people, especially today, where we feel like we have to either figure out how our passion can become a business or we're miserable in this job. There's like a blend between the two. And I work with a lot of people that they actually really like their job. They do. They obviously in every position, there are some frustrations, but they like what they do, but they've lost the joy and passion of their creativity, of those creative pursuits. And that looks different for everyone. For me and for you too, it looks like business because it's video and podcasting, it's writing and that kind of thing. But for some, it's cooking, jujitsu, art, comedy, playing the piano, it's pottery, it's exploring all of the things that you find really interesting and fascinating. And so I really wanted to, to empower them to start their creative pursuit, something that they've given up that really brings a lot of joy to their life. I absolutely love that you're addressing this because there was a gap in the market. It's either do your side hustle and do this or quit your job. What, oh, there's a lot of narratives out there. And Something that I threw out there about a year ago was called the concept, and I don't talk about all that much, but it's called a side brand. What is a side brand? Because you mind personal branding. It's not a side hustle. It's what you're talking about. It's something you don't necessarily have to monetize it, but maybe you lead and you talk about it. In the case of your book where your friend leaned over and says, I have something important to tell you, 
I was made for more. And he then went into the photography. But that's your side brand. That's how you connect with the world, share a message and, and really empower yourself. So I love the concept of what you're talking about really overlays with personal branding. As I told you before we went live, I also say there's a lot of overlay of personal development in personal branding. Personal branding is just the vehicle to get out there, to show up in the world doing what you love. For, and in the case, we can go deeper to solve problems. In this part, we're talking about what lights us up. So let's unpack this because I wrote today a post and I'll link it. So many people leave just an average life. I quoted you, so I didn't steal your things. And then you talk <laughs> about the training wells. Do you want to just leave training wheels on your entire life or do you want to take them off and just fly? So let's unpack some of these concepts in that first chapter and then let's get into the seven myths so we can really inspire people to start pursuing what they love. You're referring to, to the conversation that I had with my friend who, when he re leaned into me and he said, like, I want to tell you the secret. And he's like, I haven't told anyone this before. And I'm telling you, I still remember sitting at dinner with him. I'm like, what is he going to tell me? Yeah. And he's like, I feel like I'm meant for more. And I thought, oh my gosh, doesn't he realize that so many of us feel that way? This is not really a secret, but it is. Like, you don't talk about it. And so when I developed the seven myths, I essentially was like, wow, I recognized a lot of challenges people were going through in living their dream life, in actually pursuing what they were passionate about. Because when you get older, Life gets in the way. We have more responsibilities. We have to do things. In fact, I saw someone post on your page that it's all well and good that we want to do something we love. But when we get older, if you have a high paying job and you maybe don't love it, but you can't just leave, you have responsibilities. And I'm not going to discount that we have to be thinking about all of that stuff. However, a lot of the leaders that I get to work with, they have given up some of the passions that if they incorporate back into their life, they're going to start to recognize, wow, I become a better communicator, a better leader. I'm happier. I'm more fulfilled. And so that's why I developed these seven myths. These seven myths are essentially the reasons why I recognize so many of us don't pursue our passion projects and we disregard our dreams because we feel like there's just not an opportunity for us mm -hmm. to, to lean into them. And so I don't know if we want to dig into the seven yeah. myths, but let's just give an overview because there's a few that I really want to unpack and some really just hit home for me, especially my backstory. I, I got that itch in 2015. And it was to start my own brand consultancy, something I had a bubbling when I was in my 20s. Back then, it was a PR agency. And I, I went down all the wrong paths and did all, not anything legal or weird, but it wasted time, okay? And I felt hopeless, held back. I can't even tell you. That's like a book in itself. But had I found something like your book that would have just helped me lean into what I love and that naturally would help me get out there. And I think it's just also a compound effect when you do, like you're just saying. Let's get into the seven myths. I just want to comment one thing because I feel like what you just said is, is too good to pass over because a lot of people feel this way. Like we feel like when we look at our past, I should have done this. I could have done that. If only I would have done this. And obviously that leads us into no good situation. We really don't know what would have happened. And so I love this idea that everything that we've done has obviously gotten us to where we are today. And then we think about, the future is bigger than our past and we can do something starting today to build that bigger future. And so getting into the myths, myth number one is 
it's not possible. And the myths build on each other. And the first one of it's not possible, I think so often we feel like, oh, no, it's not possible. This is just life and life is hard and I don't deserve joy and all these things. And so that was myth number one. So myth number two is you're not good enough. Oh my gosh, Michelle, I like no matter, you can talk to the people that we look up to and they have worthiness issues. There's this like deep rooted, is it enough? Are we enough? And it's like this constant thing that we have to remind ourselves. Number three is you need permission. This stops a lot of us. Look, you wanted to have a talk show and guess what? You start a talk show. You don't wait for someone to say, hey, do you want to have your own show? Like we have to go after those those dreams of ours. Number four is you need a reason. Hey, this is, I get this one all the time. It's like people feel like I'm an attorney or I'm a CEO or I shouldn't be spending time learning to play the piano or getting the band back and doing gigs on a Saturday night. But why? The reason is because it brings you number five is there's not enough time. And this one is obviously that's like a whole in conversation in and of itself. Myth number six, I have to say, Michelle, that this one, I have found so many people reach out to me and they say this is the one that hit home with them the most. We're perfectionists because we're type A, we're driven. We have a lot of goals, a lot of dreams, a lot of things we want to do. And we get ourselves stuck because we're like, it has to be perfect. I can't post this video. I can't share this article. I can't write this book because it doesn't sound right yet. It's not perfect. And so if we waited for perfect, we would never do any of it. And then number seven is inspiration will strike. And this one is one of my favorites because this is another thing. We don't always feel like it. I didn't always feel like sitting down and writing, but I wanted to finish the book. We were waiting for this muse to come and sprinkle this fairy dust over us and we we're going to feel this boost of inspiration. But the good news is that inspiration comes when we get Correction. started. Like exactly. once you start, you gain that energy. I can't tell you how many people will tell me I was exhausted when I came home and then I started working on this project and all of a sudden it was like an hour and a half goes by and I had so much more energy. And that's what your creative pursuits do for you. If you love them and you are excited about them, once you just sit down and get started, oh my gosh, it just unleashes your energy. It's in the flow moments, really, when you forget to eat lunch, which is rare for me, but I know that of all the seven, probably the two Ps, permission and perfection, and probably number six for me, I'm an overthinker, overanalyzer, overeditor, overwrite, all the things. And I also want to say, lean into strengths too, because I'm big on assessments at Clifton Strengths, ideations by number two strength. And so it bubbles up and pops up like popcorn for me. And it really helps when I work with clients. But sometimes for me, it stalls me. So you've got to learn what your strengths are you know, where you need to work. And then you can start tackling. Perfectionism could be a whole nother book in itself, right? You've had so many people tell you. But the permission thing, I think that we think someone magical is going to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, that's it. And that's what one of the big reasons I got stuck for those five years. And instead of getting out there, I took courses, credentials, and certifications, even though I was well-equipped on paper. And you're right, Let me go back and give myself a little pat on the back. During that struggle time, I would always hear this intuition saying, your struggle is your story. And I figured somewhere down the road that would make sense. And now it does because it it connects the right people to me. But just as you said so well in the book, everything in the past, it just brings us up to speed and dictates and demonstrates where we want to go. So we can't ignore those mistakes or where we think we fell short. 
because it just, it helps connect us to the right people too. And then our inner selves. Now I'm so passionate about you don't need permission. You don't need perfection, like the double P's and procrastination. Can we throw that in there too? Oh my gosh. I know. Offspring. One of them. It's all part of perfectionism. And I just posted a video about feeling left behind when you feel left behind in your life and your career, because it is a challenge when, especially you get older, you get into like midlife and beyond and you're like, oh my gosh, I should have been at this different place. And I think it is important for us to recognize all the things that we have done and the decisions that we make. I really do believe that we make decisions in our life with the information that we have at the time that we have them. Obviously, cliches are around for a reason. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, now all of this, you're a different person than you were, hopefully, two years ago, five years ago. You're constantly growing and developing. And so obviously, the decision seems so obvious now, but you weren't that same person. And I think that people, a lot of the clients that I work with, one word that I share with them at the end of the calls, and it just shows up all the time, is grace. Mm -hmm. Give yourself some grace. And it's also because you're so big into personal development on the side of personal branding. This is where, and I talk about journaling in the book a lot because it's a big part of my life and it's so important is being able to journal through, hey, what did I do in the past? What decision did I make that I wish I would have made differently? And now we get to say, I can't go back and do it differently, but what can I do starting today? What will my self five years from now be so grateful that the me today started doing today? That's what I really focus on. It's okay, I'm not going to think about five years ago, but I am going to think about the me five years from now. And the the me five years from now is going to be so glad that I started even when I didn't feel like it, even when I was scared, even when I didn't have the right equipment or the right certifications or all the things that we think we need in order to pursue our dreams. We don't need any of that stuff. Like we literally just need to take the first right next step and that is it. And then once we start doing that, we'll start to build that confidence. So we've just got to gain the momentum and then stay focused. That is so much what I talk about and in the LinkedIn branding book, a lot of what I write about. That's why PYOT is my mission and my mantra, because that's exactly what I should have been doing. Yes, I look back, I cherish, I'm giving myself grace and space. But if I look back right where I was then, which by the way, during that old time, I was feverishly writing in 750words.com, my digital diary. So that's a great place if someone wants, doesn't like to handwrite because I love to type and get my thoughts all that way. So I can go back now and I have gone back and look where I was back then and just like, oh, wow, it's crazy. So documentation is huge to see your journey. But when you get out there, the answers come when you get out there. Now, let's talk about starting because all this is like, theory stuff, empowerment, which I'm all about. But then the flip side of it is you got to have implementation, right? Ideas and implementation are the perfect marriage. Now we know the seven myths and we know which ones really we need to work on. Probably for many of us, a lot of them are almost all seven of them, right? Because that's what's keeping us from where we want to be and what we love. Let's talk about the action. Where do we start? People are listening. Kate, oh my goodness, this so resonates. I'm in a job, but I don't want to leave my job. And who knows, maybe down the road it ends up being something you could take down and monetize. But for now, let's think of it as just pursuing creative endeavors. A question that I've been getting that I've been so fascinated by because I didn't realize this was going to be such a popular question is, what if I don't have passions? What if I don't know what my passions are? 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't really realize that that was such a, a challenge for so many people, mostly just because I have so many of them. There's so many different things I'm interested in. But I love this question because I think it's really important is because we might have lost those creative pursuits, yeah. like given up the things that we really loved. The first thing I would tell people is, okay, what did you love to do as a child? That's the first one. So what did you really love to do when you were a kid? Did you love to draw? Did you love to play outside? Did you maybe play a musical instrument? So often when we're younger, we get into those creative pursuits mm -hmm. just because they're around us, they're available to us. Another question I would ask is, what are you doing when you're in your flow state? Like when that time flies by and it passes by and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's already been three hours. Like what are some of those things that you're doing? Because that's going to give you a lot of data around what are some things that you're really passionate about that you might want to pursue. Is it learning something new that maybe you would be curious to, I would love to start a podcast and talk about this with people. Or it's just getting your wheels turning. What do I really get excited to actually do that I feel like time just flies by? And then the, the other question that I love is, if I were going to pay you $1,000 to learn something new, to learn mm -hmm. a new skill, what would it be? And this one, people are like, oh, you're going to actually pay me to learn? Because this goes back to the myth of you need a reason. So often we feel if we're, if it's not for something, then why should I do it? Like, why should I spend time learning pottery? I'm not going to be selling pottery or making vases or anything, and or I'm not going to become a pianist. So why should I learn piano? So if I were to pay you $1,000, what would you be so excited to learn? Is it guitar or taking a pottery class or doing Pilates or whatever it is? And when we think about it from that perspective, we're like, that's so interesting because now you might decide I would learn how to dance. Great. Start taking dance lessons. Like you can take a dance lesson once a week or whatever it is. And so it's like opening up our world to what are some of those creative pursuits that we either used to be interested and have given up or that we just haven't really thought about because we just don't make the time to think about our creativity. I love that you talk about that because that's actually permission right there too. Two different myths killed there. I also like to say, what do you gravitate to reading for fun? Like magazines, when you go to the bookstore, what magazines, if you ever go to the bookstore anymore and look at mag the magazine rack, what do you really love? When you're perusing Instagram, not just our friend stuff, what are some of the topics that'll tell you because the algorithm will start serving you. So I love decorating. I love mid-century modern architecture. Those are little clues that bubble up. So I think self-awareness, as much as we can just start realizing, give yourself grace and space. I think we need to start saying, okay, I'm really intrigued by this idea. There's a lot of different areas where you're giving yourself permission to tap into something that you love, which will feel and spill over to other areas of your life. So self-awareness, a lot of these questions you asked, then when you get the idea, I'm really leaning into XYZ. What should someone do next? Should they jump into starting a podcast or should they start talking to people? What would you think for this show right here is the best you know, action steps to take? So I love this because I talk about the passion loop in, in the book. And the passion mm -hmm. loop is essentially when we have this idea. Where, so let's say we're like, Oh, this is so cool. You just said you like interior design. Great. So I love interior design. I would really love to maybe get into interior design. That would be really cool to not explore as a career, but just 
maybe you want to do it for your home or maybe your friend's home or just like learn a little bit more about it. Then what happens is you get excited. Maybe you're like, oh, I'll go on Pinterest or whatever. But then you immediately start creating all the excuses as to why you shouldn't. Oh, it's a waste Mm -hmm. of time. Oh, none of my friends would want that. Oh, it's not worth it. Whatever it is. And then we let go of the idea. But then what happens is an hour goes by, a week, a month, however long, and automatically you're thinking, I really wanted to explore interior design. So you're stuck in this loop. And then you like make up the excuses again as to why you shouldn't. So the way to break out of the passion loop is super simple. All it is the next right step. What is the smallest thing that you can do, the smallest action you can take to get you one step closer? In the book, I talk about your minimum viable creation. Instead of an MVP, like minimum viable product, we talk about in business, minimum viable creation. What is the smallest step you can take? And that could look like, hey, I'm going to start my own Pinterest board decorating on what Mm -hmm. I want to do in my home. You could reach out to a friend and say, hey, I'm really excited to explore. You just moved into a new home. Can I do one of your rooms? Whatever it is, create a list of three things that you could do. And then choose one. Just choose one. Sometimes we get so excited because we're like, now I'm going to do this. And we say, I'm going to do these 10 things. And then we end up doing nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember when my friend moved in her new home in 2015, she had me come style like this whole bookshelf thing. And then now she always is like asking me to come do stuff. I don't lean into it a lot, but she knows now. So that that tickles the side of me that I love reading and all this. That's my real creative side is decorating design and setting up things. So I love that. You have so many outlets and creative and actionable things in the book. So As we wrap up today, I really want to encourage my listeners, start thinking about this concept. And I highly recommend you want to put the book up again to grab the books because (laughs) it's a really quick read. Audible is only two and a half hours, so you can just nail it. And I read the book. I read the audio. (laughs) Even better. I absolutely love when the authors do that. I had my mom get it. I was talking to her in a conversation today, and she's bought the book. It's one of these pep talks we all need get out of our heads and get out of our way and get going, which is, I say I do all the time, because we all have expertise, a passion, something that not only will light us up, but by doing that, you're helping others. You're going to be more productive at work and family and your communities. It's a spillover effect is really, truly what it is. And so that's the big picture thing. So as it relates to personal brands, consider it your side brand. You don't have to monetize it. You don't have to do all those things. It's just something that's part of you that's going to really empower you to be a better person, personally, professionally, all the way. Kate, with that being said, what's one quick takeaway someone can do to take that first step? What should they do today after listening to this? I, I'm going to give a, a, a journaling prompt for people okay. because I'm a big fan of journaling and setting the stage for what that would potentially look like in your life. I like asking the question of what does your creative life look like? Who are you spending time with? What are you doing? How often? Are you engaging in those creative pursuits? Just write out everything that you can possibly think of. And what shows up might surprise you. Like it might surprise you where you would be so excited to spend your time. I think it's so fascinating because oftentimes when people write this, your dream life is a lot closer than you might think it is. Those little pockets of time that you have when you can fill in with those creative pursuits would make such an impact. So write out your dream life and then absolutely Think about the passion loop and figure out what is the one action step you can take. This doesn't mean researching and talking to your friends is not an action step. It's doing. It's actually doing the work. 
we can get bogged down thinking that we are making progress because, but I'm researching and I'm just not ready yet. Nope. It's the actual doing of the work. I love that because I'm the over-researcher too. That's what got me in a hamster wheel. So yes, I always say micro moments, micro impressions, nano steps. You don't have to take the big step, the baby step. The littlest thing forward is going to get you. If people want to learn more, tell us everywhere they can find you, the book, everything, so we can start learning to do what we love. You can find me at katevolman.com. And the book is on Amazon if you're interested in getting a copy of the book. And yeah, I would love to hear any of you on LinkedIn and Instagram are my two that I'm most active on the social platforms. And I was telling Michelle, one of my creative pursuits is YouTube. So I'm over on YouTube. So if you're building a YouTube channel, we can be YouTube friends and connect over there as well. Thank you so much, Kate, for being on the show and sharing your wisdom and this amazing book because it speaks to what so many of us struggle with. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. You're so kind. I'm so appreciative. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world. It is so necessary and needed. And I love that you're supporting so many women CEOs and leaders to help them build their brand. That's my mission and mantra. Put yourself out there. So with that being said, everybody, keep putting yourself out there. You have a brand to build, a message to share, and people to impact. I'll be back next week. I'll catch you soon. Take care. That's a wrap for today's brand therapy session. Are you ready to get visible and build your personal brand? Then head on over to thebrandtherapist.io and grab my free resources to get unstuck and get going today. And until next time, thanks for listening.